0: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Dynamo Abroad podcast. I am not Alex Lyshek, I am Eric this week. Alex unfortunately couldn't make it. um, But uh, I will try and keep up with his uh, quips and sayings that he has every week. So coming with us from across the pond is Dima. How's it going Dima?
1: Yeah, doing doing well. Uh, From a Dynamo Champions League point of view, I'm not doing well. Otherwise, can't complain. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Um,
0: I'll bring in someone on the opposite end of the spectrum from the Champions League group. So we have a very special guest with us this week. Uh, prior guests we're really excited to have back on. Um, Adrian from Rabona TV, big Benfica fan. Adrian, how's it going?
2: It's going well, man. Thank you for having me back on. And uh, yeah, it's, I think we ended the last podcast and saying we'll do a postmortem. So here we are. We are men of our words. We're going to get this done.
0: Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Um, all right. So what we're going to do first is Dima and I are going to do a quick rundown of some of the latest news and results from Dinamo, and then we'll bring Adrian in and start discussing the UCL group fixtures, um, kind of the rest of the year outlook for both Dinamo and Benfica and how things wrapped up in the Champions League. Um, so a couple pieces of uh, breaking news here. So Denamo super fan, Paramon. Um, Dima, what was his name again? Zaborowski
1: or something like that? You know, I think I'll have to um, have to come back to you. Uh, that with, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, he was of course the man. He was known star. by everyone as Paramon. He was known by Paramon, but his name was um uh Zabarowski, Zabarowski. It was Zabarovsky. Yeah. So unfortunately, had a battle with a
0: with an illness and recently passed away. So thoughts and prayers to him each night. Um, will be will be missed by Dynamo supporters all over the world. Um. So there was a, a new story that came out recently about uh, supriaja going to Cluj, um, uh, Luchescu to Romania as well, which came out then to be fake. Uh, if you all remember, there was stories about shortly after joining Dinamo, Luchescu being reported uh, to going back to, um, to Romania, which also came out to be fake news. So same with supriaja Unfortunately, he is not going to be moving. Dima, anything to... Anything yeah, to add on that?
1: I'd, I'd ship him out to closure at this point. I, I don't really care where he goes. He's, just, he's not doing the job. He's an employee. He's not doing it. Not interested, honestly. But yeah, well, fake means fake and he's not going there. So there's really not too much to say.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Shabanov and Boruda each have six months left on their contracts. I mean, Shabanov's probably one I'd be getting rid of. Boruda, I'd keep. Honestly, I'd resign him. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest question mark
1: for him is going yeah, to be... have to see. You know, the winter, the winter break. Uh, it's really going to be. It's really going to be his last, last chance. You know, to see whether he. Well, if he performs in training, you know, if he performs in those friendlies, you know, if he, assuming he's given a chance, I, I hope he will. But you know, if he's not going to impress, if he's not going to feature, there's really not that much point. But it, it would be so much. You know what would be a lot like us to just give him a five year contract now, like for no reason at all? He could get injured the very next day, like he did on my football. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember, I sent over, I give him a five year contract and then he gets an injury like the same day for six months. That, that would be something that would happen in real life. But yeah, Shaban, I don't know why he was signed in the first place, to be honest with you. But yeah. I guess we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Hopefully Bordeaux can get healthy because when he is on his game and when he is healthy, I mean, he's one of our best defenders. So
1: um,
0: we'll have to see. But um, another piece of breaking news, so Dinamo are competing with Metalist as well as a few Brazilian clubs for the signature of a 20-year-old attacking midfielder named Gustavo, um, probably being eyed up as a backup uh, deputy to Bujanski since we have no one else to slot into that number 10 or that advanced uh, midfield role behind the striker. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. I mean, there's really not much else to add. Not really sure if that's going to pan out. Obviously, most transfer news with Denamo ends up going nowhere, so I would expect the same with this.
1: Oh yeah, you just hear this, you just hear a name once, and nothing ever happens ever again. Exactly. How does
0: that happen? Um, although, moving on now to some pieces of good news. So, uh, highly rated and talented Denamo youth player Samba Diallo has signed a new contract. Um, so he has signed, I believe it was a five-year contract, oh, yeah, with dynamo, um, which is awesome. So he's been featuring a lot for the youth team, um, been performing very well for them. Um, youth team actually just lost one nil to Benfica, but they did finish as runners up in their youth league group. So they'll be advancing into the knockout stages. Um, very talented squad. Um, I believe Benfica top us. And then I don't know where Bayern and, uh, and, um, Barcelona finished but um like I said obviously should be interesting I think that they they have every chance to go uh pretty far in the youth league group I think you know if you watch some of their matches and some of their performances I mean they will be a even for the top seed that'll be paired with them as the number two it'll be a tough matchup for just about anyone um but um and then last piece of news is um Noah Nahar from Monaco I don't know Dima if you want to I'm not really familiar with this one. I've
1: I've almost known from. There's been like he's not in transfer He's not. I've heard he's a midfielder. He might be. He might not be. But I haven't heard a lot about him at all. I don't think anyone has. So probably going to go nowhere.
0: All right. Um,
1: well, he's very young. He'll we'll give him we'll give him the thing. He's very young. We'll see. We'll end see. of the day, he's one that you know. He's from one of a a good one of those good academies uh, of Europe. So we'll you know we'll have to see. He's from um the, the important thing here is is that he's from the same agent Vasiliev as Diallo. um so promising on paper exactly
0: okay very good and then last oh, two sorry things. I've got oh. to say one
1: more thing oh, this Vasiliev guy this Vasiliev guy I was thinking I'd really how much worse would he be as director of football than like Buryakov or whoever the hell we even have now you know just a thought not worse no, okay. Sure. I mean, hard to imagine worse. He was—he was, he was the guy that really like led to the um uprising at Monaco. That's the thing. To um, if we build some kind of partnership, well, he's not an ex-player, so of course that disqualifies him from having any kind of role. Right. Of right. Uh, but
0: well, last two things here before we bring in Adrian and start going into the UCL group. Um, so Dinamo defeated, uh, Verus, and that match was, was it this past weekend
1: yeah it was on saturday
0: saturday yeah so there's a story that came out about um uh, Vyacheslav shevchuk who we'll all remember is one of our favorite Shakhtara players um who's now the sporting director i believe it is at veris and gave out bonuses when veris defeated oh, who was i forget it was who they defeated in the match before the but um they were talking about how they would imagine the same thing would be given out um, if uh, if they managed to beat Dinamo, which they ended up losing 3-0, um, which was wonderful. So goals coming from Verbic Nice to see him get on the score sheet after being out for a lot of this year with injury. Um, he actually scored twice, and then Tsikhan added another one to make it 3-0. I mean, not really much else to report on this one. Dima, I don't know if you have anything else to add.
1: Yeah, I mean, sky penalty from Tsigankov. You know, I, I've got... Listen, I... I... I fell asleep due to some personal circumstances. I fell asleep about 20 minutes into the game because I was so tired um so that's you know <laughs> probably says a lot about the game um yeah but you know it's, it's typical UPR I, mean, I don't remember you know apart from Shakhtar, I don't remember the last time I was like nervous be- before a. Uh, not nervous, but excited before a UPL game. Um, but yeah, three points we'll have to take. We we didn't really we didn't really get the job done because we're still behind on goal difference.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, oh, and you look at the stats, I mean they had about five shots on target. I mean that's that's not great, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's it's not like you know it's not as if Bushan like was just you know sat on a stool just chilling. You know he had some work to do on paper at least. So. Yeah, that's, that's not great, but yeah, no, three points is three points. You'll just have to take it. Agree. And speaking of three points,
0: lastly, we'll have the final match of the season of the year. I should say not the season, but the final match of the um, first half of the season before the winter break against Zoria going to be a tough match, but again, three points is going to be pretty vital as we coast into the winter break to keep on pace with Shakhtar. Taking a look here, you know, I would say probably one of the biggest losses for them is going to be uh, Kocherhin, who I believe he had through like 10 matches, he had like nine goal contributions. Um, As you will remember, he's currently with the reserve team for refusing to sign a new contract. So great management from the Zoria higher-ups, brilliant, but um, obviously their, their losses are gained. So I mean, still a dangerous side, a side that we're going to have to keep an eye on. It's going to be a very tough match. Um, but, um, coach and not playing definitely works in our favor, but uh, like I said, hopefully we'll be getting three points from this Dima, any, anything else on this one before we go into the
1: UCL group? I mean, I can always put up a fight. I'm still, you know, I'm still optimistic for the game. I still hope that we can get the points, but you know, we can't just let our guard down as we, <laughs> we do a lot. Uh, Gotta to have to work for it. Um, try and get, I think, you know, if we get a quick goal, that would that would be beneficial. And you know, if we get a goal, we can't just say, you know, one's enough. They're they're not gonna think like that. They won't give up if we if they concede uh, we shouldn't give up if we uh score. Uh but yeah, I've got to think on paper, you know, we've still got the better squad, uh, got the better manager. So I see no reason as to why we, we shouldn't win this.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to keep on those two center forwards, Ali Akhar and uh, Zahedi, each that I believe have six goals in the UPL. Um, so like I said, it's it's going to be a tough battle, but on paper, certainly one that uh, we should be coming on top on. So I'm, I'm really hoping we're going to get three points from this. But um, at any rate, all right, let's start the fun or I should say the fun for our guests. So Adrian, all right, I'll just open up before we go into the whole ucl group final match 2-0 victory for benfica sealed a return to the champions league for the first time since 2017 2016 17 um thoughts emotions what were your feelings at the end of that match
2: um uh, absolute relief to be honest with you, especially with how that second half went, as soon as Benfica starts making substitutions, we just start to lose control of games. And uh, you could see, by the way, that you guys were at least dominating possession, um, carving out a few, I wouldn't say incredible opportunities, but at least making our keeper work. So just in general, the feeling at the end of that match was the feeling at the end of the group stage. They sort of mirrored each other, um, getting back into the... Round of 16 is great. Am I optimistic with how well we'll do? Not entirely. Hopefully the draw will be kind to us, but at least we're finally there, man. I'm sick of, you know, backing my team every year. We're going to do it this year. We're going to do it this year. We're going to get out of our group. And it's been a long time, as you said, first time since 2017 that we make it to the knockout round. So yeah, just overall feeling, I would say, relief.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, you know, taking a look at some of the matches played, obviously the first match of the season Denamo Benfica, I think, was one that a lot of Denamo fans were a little, I don't know if upset, maybe disappointed at the fact of not picking up three points. Um, you know, I thought that was a match that we played pretty well in. Obviously, that final goal at the end being disallowed for offside. Um, not one to play the what-if game because it's irrelevant, but when you take a look at something like that, picking up three points and how that could have changed things. Yeah. Um, but, um, and then obviously in the rest of the group, Benfica went out and took care of business. I mean, a big, was it 3-0 victory in? Uh, yeah, that that's in, right. In Lisbon.
2: It was, it was in Lisbon against Barcelona, that uh, that 3-0 victory. That was some of the most fun I've had watching Benfica in a while. Um, of course, at the expense of Barcelona, which everyone likes to get one over on. But yeah, I agree with you. That first match, I felt like, you know... Dynamo didn't really show up until the last, like really start to show up and try to push for a goal basically until the last like 10, 15 minutes or so. But in that 10, 15 minutes were easily the best opportunities of the entire game, I think, especially that one that you spoke about where it was disallowed um, (laughs) somewhat, unfortunately so, because that was one of those games where I had made peace with a draw by the end of it. And then (laughs) I had been happy with a draw. You know, I went the entire match thinking we're going to win this one. Then I was like, okay, fine, a draw, whatever, away, we'll get them back into Lisboa. And then I was just happy to get the draw, overjoyed with the draw, because it could have been a loss and probably, you know, deserved to be a loss based on those last 15 minutes or so.
0: Definitely. And I think, you know, kind of like we had talked about in the first episode, I think we kind of knew that it was going to be Bayern probably topping the group and it was going to be a toss-up between Barcelona and Benfica for that second spot um, to qualify for the Champions League. I got to say, if I had to choose between the two, I'm happy to see it's Benfica. Um, not really a big Barcelona
1: person myself. I don't know if Dima agrees. Don't really care about anyone else, if I'm honest. Not a fan of, not a fan of Barcelona after we lost four times in a row to them at all, so... You happy know. to see them go down. Happy to see him in Europa. But yeah, but it's yeah. It's, it's a shame they don't have Messi. Now I would have loved to see him in the Europa. Oh yeah. That go would have been on. hilarious. Go on. Yeah. My goodness. That would have been
2: amazing to see him in Europa. But yeah, it, it, you're right, Eric. It was, um, it did feel like it would be a toss up between Benfica and Barcelona. I mean, I'm happy because I, I I backed my team again to make it through in second. Um, and I got scorched for it on my channel a little bit. But hey, that's okay. We, <laughs> we made it through in the end. Um, but yeah, I, I remember speaking to you guys and saying, if we can maximize our points against Dinamo and maybe at least hold Barcelona and hope that they stumble along the way, then we would have a chance. And it did come out to be, that was the outcome. But my goodness, that, that match Benfica-Barcelona at Camp Du with Sefetovic missing right at the death. He could have put it in our own hands right there and he just failed to do so. And so we had that anxiety going into the final match and it, it was unfortunate, but you know, a couple of lapses by Dinamo's defense at the beginning of the game. I mean, we almost scored like what was it, like 30 seconds 30 in seconds or something.
1: The game. I, I sent out a tweet straight away, like the honestly, we nearly to concede 30 seconds in. That, that was ridiculous.
2: Yeah, that that was bad. But at least hey, we we each had our chance missing an absolute sitter, putting it over the bar with an open goal. So <laughs> I was I was relieved to say see, see those sort of cancel each other out.
0: So I know that this is probably a lot of it's going to depend upon, as you said, the fortunes of the draw, but I guess what's the feeling amongst uh, Benfica fans about how far that they think this squad can go um, into the champions
2: League in the knockouts? Um, I think that the, you know, the f- heart side of each supporter would say we could go quarterfinals or something like that. But like we sort of alluded to, we need some help with the draw because there's a lot of, very, very strong teams that I think we just don't have a chance against if we if we were to be drawn up against them. If we got maybe a Lille, I think even a Juve, we would maybe have an opportunity maybe to get through against them. Maybe Manchester United, but you never know. Plus, they have Ronaldo, which is, you know, a game changer. Um, so, I, I think realistically, a lot of people expect that the round of 16 will be our final, our final bow in this edition of the Champions League. But things go our way, maybe we get a Lille. Although Jonathan David running at our back line does not seem uh, appetizing to me at all. makes me feel a little bit nauseous, Um, but you know, if we get lucky, maybe we can go quarterfinals. But honestly, I think that's that's about our limit with the current squad that we have and with the way things are going with Jorge Azuz and all the sort of questions about whether he's going to be our manager for much longer. You know, there was a lot of pressure saying that he would probably get fired had he failed to beat Dinamo and bow out of the Champions League at this point. A lot of news about Flamengo wanting to go for him again to bring him back to Brazil. So it's all sort of a strange season in a lot of ways, guys. Um, and it's hard to tell. Like, we started so well, but now it's just sort of gone down and down, sort of culminating with this past weekend losing 3-1 at our own home against Sporting, our local rival. So it's, I don't know, confidence isn't necessarily high at this moment.
0: Yeah, and I was going to say, I was going to ask you that too, about, you know, performances in the league as well. And I heard some similar sentiments on uh, Jesus as your coach, because... I think right now, are you sitting in third in the yeah. in the league with Porto and Sporting above? Okay, yeah. and I did see that as, you know the the three nil loss. Obviously, I'm sure that the getting into the Champions League obviously helped him out a lot. But is the feeling now that um, with getting into the Champions League knockout that you'll see or that um, he's going to stay for the rest of the year? Or is it still in the up in the air?
2: I think that he would have to have an incredibly bad January for him to get sacked at this point, but. It does feel like, well, I mean, his contract is up at the end of this season um, and it really doesn't seem like anyone wants to continue this relationship, both the club or himself. So I would assume that he won't be staying much longer. Um, We are technically just four points behind in the league, which isn't Mm -hmm. massive. Um, But (laughs) there's sort of some, you know, some tables that you look at will say that we're actually seven points back because it was that crazy game against Belenenses or BSAD where they had their entire team taken out by COVID. Um, I'm sure you guys heard about that. They had right, nine players. Right. Yeah. One of the outfield players was their goalkeeper. There was youth players. Like it was just stupid. The match was abandoned at halftime because it was seven nil. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if that situation is actually fully sorted out. Um, but yeah, it's, it certainly doesn't feel like George Jesus is going to be sticking around after what happened last season where it wasn't, a spectacular season for us by any means. And this season it's looking like more of the same that we're going to be behind our rivals again, which is just, you know, the fact that Ruben Amarin, the manager of sporting, who's very, very talented, obviously former player of George's Luz, is actually like teaching him lessons in managing at this moment. It's just crazy. Like beating him three, one at the Estadio de Luge. That's That's a huge indictment of our manager. Uh, The fact that he was able to win the league last season with far less, you know, financial backing. He's really embracing youth. He's doing all of the things that we wish we were doing at Benfica. Because with the infrastructure we have, with the youth talent that we have, if we had a manager like that who could really harness them all in and get the most out of them and really, you know, exploit that great academy that we have then I think that Benfica would be all the better for it, but he's just so reluctant to do so. Um, and before I go on too far of a tangent, just to sort of wrap this up on him and and his youth, how he handles youth, there's that famous story of how he wanted to tell Bernardo Silva, of course, with Manchester city fame to play at left back and during his first stint with uh, Benfica. So that's one of the stories that people always bring up as far as talking about JJ and, uh, and his uh, <laughs> reluctance to use youth and just how he kind of spoils certain players. So I would love to see Ruben Amorim at Benfica, but that's never going to happen, or at least I don't think it will.
0: Fair enough. And I mean, it's interesting that you bring that up too about youth and trusting youth and things of that sort, because we have a similar issue at Denamo where, you know, obviously with, and we're familiar, not so much in depth, but, you know, with Benfica youth side topping the youth group, obviously that's, that's a big accomplishment. I mean, that's a result of having a good youth Academy and good youth players, but same for Denamo. I mean, we have a fantastic youth Academy, great young players that come in And this is a discussion that Dima, uh, Alex, and I have is you take a look at some of these players that just do, they tear it up at a youth level. And you take a look at our senior side and just how poor they are and just how the, the poor results, the poor player performances and the thought that we all have is just, can the youth players really be that much worse than some of these senior players and why is it that these senior players it's like divine right that they get to play every match. You know, they're not getting benched for poor performances and things of that sort. But, I mean, I know, and I'll bring Dima in on this. I'm sure he can add some things. But we have a very similar problem. Obviously, we have nowhere near the the success right now that Benfica have. But um, definitely a very similar thing that we're going through with the with youth players and 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 things of that sort.
1: Yeah. It Or, sorry, Dima, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to disagree with Eric. I mean, it's, it's kind of puzzling to me why, first of all, why we sent such a strong team out, uh, in the first place against Benfica, you know, for, for us, you know, I don't think we should, you know, completely like hand over the game, uh, ever, but it's a dead rubber. So why, why not give you know Nishret a chance the the young goalkeeper? Uh, maybe you remember him, his performance, Adrian against Barcelona. If you saw that from last season, uh, why not give you know that the same D L O? Why not give Vivcherenko? Why not just just I can keep, I can just go on and on. I'm not saying you know feel a full under nineteen team at all, but w- w- why not you know, um uh, and you know the guys we sent out. Well, they didn't perform, did they? Our main start, the big start, Zagankov, twenty five million minimum, can't score an open goal. What what's that all about? Virbic, you know. Passes back into his own penalty. What the hell was he thinking? Passing back into his own penalty box, where there's about I can see Adrian laughing. It is funny. It is. It's funny to be honest. This is this is what you learn at school level. You know, don't just whatever you do, boot it clear, boot it, boot it for a throw in, a corner even maybe, but not. Don't pass it back into your own box where there are like. Well, I don't have the image in my head now, but like five maybe Benfica uh, Benfica players. You did why? Why do this? And it was literally nowhere near the Dinamo players as well. I mean, what 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 am I dealing with here? Um, yeah. I mean, second second half. Yeah. First of all, first half, complete disaster, uh, in my opinion. Um, I must say, Yelimchuk not not happy with him celebrating at all. You know, I think think you should. Uh, yeah, it's his choice, but you know, come on, like have some respect. Uh, but. You know, it is what it is. He scored a goal against us. You know, we kept, we kept besieging over him. You know, just let that sink in. Besieging. Um, second half, you know, we, we keep some of the ball. Well, we kept, I think we had like near 70% possession near enough. I mean, that's, that kind of shocked me because, we, you know,
0: we ended the match with 64%. 60, yeah.
1: 64, 64. Okay. Well, um, it's a lot of possession, but we didn't really do like, yeah, I mean, Adrian said, you know, we tested the goalkeeper, but it wasn't as if we had, like, some massive misses and he was pulling off, like, save, you know, right, left and centre. That wasn't the case, was it? Um, it was just, you know, they just let us keep the ball because maybe, you know, maybe they felt they already won the game and we didn't really, you know, we didn't really push forward that much. Um, yeah, I mean, nearly conceded in the first minute, 30 seconds rather. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking. I mean, yeah, I don't like to do, you know, all this "what if" because you know, what what if I what if I had wheels and I was a bicycle, you know? But uh, what if what if we didn't miss that open goal, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's, it it is what it is. Yeah, can't argue with the result. We 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 had chances. Uh, no one to blame but ourselves. You know, it wasn't like the wind blew out of the open net. No, he just missed it. Uh, simple as that, and you can't really say anything. Uh, I think you know. Once again, I think the, the fans have been let down. I think the manager's been let down. Uh, I think we've all been let down by, by, by the, the, the individual performances. And you know, I've been saying this far too much. Uh, I'd say over this season. I can say over the last two seasons. I can say over the last few years. Uh, but yeah, it's poor campaign from us as well. I mean, what one point? Come on, like yeah, I I, I know i know that you know that the group we we have wasn't so easy but like it's the champions league you know there's no easy in the champions league you know everyone's everyone's there by but for a reason you know no one's there because they they randomly got put in well i'm sure I'm sure there's somehow that can happen but it didn't happen in our group uh so yeah um there are i guess some positives but they you know they are weighed by the negatives i think you know an, an overhaul is is needed uh in a few, many many positions, uh, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, with you, I think uh, just to say Zabarne, I mean, he's he's escaped criticism. I think for the first goal, very poor, very poor, honestly. Uh, yeah, he's only he's only nineteen or what is it? But you know, if you're not getting the job done, then I'm sorry, but I'm I'm not too interested in how old you are, how how young you are. But yeah, yeah, just not just not a good night, I think. Um, can't say much more than that
2: if i was to uh you know, maybe give Yetemchuk a little bit of a break. I know, I know it might not, uh, you guys might not excuse him, but he has been on a terrible run at ben
1: Yeah, York, so yeah, for I'm sure. He, he hasn't scored in was, September, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, he hasn't scored since September. It's been eight matches straight it's, without a goal. So I think that was more a celebration of relief more than anything Yeah, else. I get that.
1: It's the, the thing The thing about him is he's he's been quite uh, vocal, should we say, in the past about Dinamo supposedly throwing him out, even though he's uh, now, you know, uh, a starter for Benfica and the Ukraine national team. So he's just upset for the sake of being upset in the way I view it. Um, I'm person as a person, I'm not sure what I think of him, but uh, so far, not too much good, but yeah, it's, it is what it is. Well, fair, fair play to him. Fair play to him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and just to go back to the youth again, it's, it's a shame to see that happening because I mean, you, I mean, you guys can tell me what place Dinamo got in the group. I can't remember. Was it second or Second, in the, second. Youth, the youth, group, in the youth, yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. second. And it, it's. I wish it was second, have... you
1: know, you know youth. Yeah. Have... <laughs> <laughs> I wish.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear that there is a lot of talent, and as you guys are saying, there's, you know, that is something that you guys do boast as a good youth academy. And I just think, for example, I did a video recently on Mexico and why their success at the youth levels, like the under-17 World Cup, and etc doesn't translate to that at the senior team. And it's a lot of it is because these youth players don't get opportunities at their own clubs. And they're just because there's either foreigners that come in or they just older Mexican players that get to play. And so these youth players do incredibly well from like, you know, 15 to 18, but then from 18 to 21 or whatever, they aren't really getting the opportunities. And that's why you see the Mexican national team granted always at the World Cup and making it out of their groups, not able to get past that fifth game and sort of tailing off a bit lately. And I mean, do you think that there's a similar thing going on with Ukraine? as far as like developing their youth
1: and it sort of affecting the national team as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, the problem with our, with our Academy is, you know, on paper, we've got good selection and recruitment. I mean, we, we pick up, you know, damn near all the not, well, not, not as, not so much as in the old days, but we pick up, you know, a a lot of the best uh, young players, you know, we're talking about like 14, 15 young, even younger than that. um, The raw talent. Uh, Now what happens in the Academy is there are, very well, almost all of the coaches, uh, wasn't so much like this a few years ago. Almost all of the coaches are ex-players or somehow related to ex-players or somehow connected to the past Soviet-style textbook coaches that have you know nothing about you know modern pressing, passing football, all of that. So they know how to counterattack, they know how to pass the ball along or just lob it long. They they're not taught how to do anything else, you know. In this for uh, four, you know relegation upl ukrainian premier league size this would be the perfect uh, academy for champions league no chance this doesn't work in the champions league uh, you know uh, i've i've said this before you know we 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 got some important uh, sorry impressive victories in the youth league but it wasn't like you know we outpressed out passed them it was just you know, a lot of counter which is still an achievement mind you but like we didn't you know we didn't outplay them in the youth league. Well, that's translating to not outplaying them in the real football. Um, but we they still good players that, you know, they get a lot of goals and assists. They show, uh, you know, just a good overall play. Um, and they're promoted to the youth team. Uh, sorry, the the senior team, I should say. They play a few friendlies. They play, you know, come off the bench a few times, maybe even start. And then when, when you see, well, you know, the young player, they're not going to, you know, start tearing up. Nine times out of ten, they're not tearing it up, you know, instantly. And they're just shipped off wherever on loan. Like, this guy, he's not good enough. There's no patience at Dinamo. You know, the youth player comes into the first team, doesn't perform straight away. What a shock, you know, a 19-year-old, not world-class at 19 years old. What a shock. There's no patience. He's shipped off to some mid-table Ukrainian side, and there he goes, never to be heard from again. So that's, that's kind of the situation here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think that, you know, you take a look at, um, so situation right now, there's a historic rival of Dinamo called Chorba Moritz from Odessa. And um, as I said, they're, they're a big historic rival of Dinamo. but with the state of the club and that they're going through right now, and this has been highly controversial especially with Jordan Moritz uh, supporters and ultras but um, we're basically fielding their starting 11 at this point with our youth players so if you take a look at them so there's a similar setup with Shakhtar and a club called Mariupol in um, eastern Ukraine where this is basically Shakhtar's farm club where all of their basically not they're not ready for the first team or can't get into the first team they're on loan there well now there's a similar thing going on uh with uh Dynamo and from and I t- and we take a look at this and talk about the youth players i would almost rather some of our senior players are on loan there and our youth players are playing for our senior team because they're more deserving of the chances i mean like i said you get so many opportunities and it's not like you have a bad game or two but when it's consistent for months like how much worse can the youth players truly be like how much worse can they truly be and it's a great point adrian so i totally agree and then it starts inhibiting their development and they can't truly develop and they can't truly make that next step and start producing at the senior level and helping out their um their respective nations etc um but it, it is interesting that you say that and i guess that kind of leads me to my next question is what is kind of the long-term outlook on Benfica right now over the next several seasons? I mean, what, like, for example, where do you see, is there another uh, coach that you're being linked with um, for strengthening the club? I did
1: apologize about the noise outside. Sorry.
0: I didn't hear anything.
1: Oh, all right. Just a little siren
2: there. Uh, um, but yeah, just to answer your question, geez, question, Eric. Um we haven't really been linked with anyone, um, at least no legitimate links, because George Jesus is still in a job at the moment. So I think if we were to sign someone, maybe I—I I mean, I would like for them to look at Apollo Fonseca, you know, the guy who was at Roma last season. Um, I would former Shakhtar manager. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that aspect. Yikes. My bad. My bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him. I—I I, I hate to say it. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him considered for the job and if not him, I personally would like to see us move away from, I feel like in in Portuguese football there's almost like a, they almost like fetishize Portuguese coaches at this moment, especially when you see what Portuguese coaches are doing around the world like Leonardo Jardim just won the, uh, was it the, Afro, or the Asian Champions League and we had Abel Ferreira just win the Copa Libertadores for the second year running with Palmeiras down in Brazil. Um, so they're winning on other continents and it just adds to this sort of like, like I said, fetishization of them and that they're the, the best thing ever, you know, you look at uh, what Nuno Espirito Santo was doing at Wolves for a little while before it tailed off or what, you know, Mourinho, of course, and his past trophies. And I just don't want to see another recycled name come in, um, and have some middling results. And then we move on to another one. I want to see a different sort of idea. I want to see someone maybe from Germany, like a German coach would be great. They're sort of on mode right now, of course, or maybe a Dutch coach or just something different is what I think a lot of us would like to see at this point. Something that can elevate us more instead of more of the same sort of ideas that we see kicked around in the Portuguese league constantly.
1: I bet you'd love to take the Dinamo approach, which is just to appoint ex-players who have no qualifications other than being ex-players. Yeah, that's, that's always one that you you often see. Fantastic for us spent 50 million on some top players finished fourth in the league. Oh, fantastic. fantastic. These are
2: the things that we want to see. No, that's exactly what I'm hoping to avoid. I don't want any more, you know, my, my friend from up north is going to come down and coach us that kind of like, I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see someone from the outside. I want to see different sort of ideas, different styles of play um because we have a decent squad that's there there's no question about it we have the financial power to invest in players and we have an, an okay recruitment system I think it's gotten worse over the years but we still have that academy and so someone who would embrace the academy and maybe bring some new ideas would be would be great who that would be I don't know <laughs> I haven't thought too much of it I've gone as far as uh, Paulo Fonseca but you know if it's not him then someone else please
0: no let me think for a minute. So what 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 again is Rui Costa's role with the club?
2: He is now the president. He's the president. Okay. Yeah, he was the interim president and then he got officially elected back in the fall.
0: I mean, to be fair for a former player, he seems like someone that's got a pretty good idea of what he's doing and he's got a pretty good handle on things at least from the outside looking in since the the embezzlement issues and things like that. Um, obviously a very well-respected figure, not just at the club, but I would argue in European football in general. Um, how have people felt about his tenure? I know it's probably been, hasn't been that long, but how have people felt about his tenure since he's come in and, and officially become the president?
2: Well, he came in and he he did some some good things. Absolutely. Um, there was a lot of people that were sort of scared that it would just be a continuation of the previous president, Luis Felipe Vieira who of course is uh, in some hot water now. Um, a lot of people thought it would be a continuation, but he came in and he did some, you know, little things. Like they finally had a big grand assembly so that the, the members of the club could have their voices heard. They finally had debates because since it is a member system, the members vote for the president of the club. And so they finally had debates between the different presidential candidates, which never happened in the past because Benfica TV was basically just a propaganda machine for the former president and he wouldn't even acknowledge the other candidates. So Costa is doing the right things. Um, He's at least, I don't want to use the word appease because that sort of has a negative connotation to it, but he is doing the things that the fans have been asking for for a while. And I am optimistic that he can, you know, continue to be an honest, good president that we need to move things in the right direction. And I am curious to see who he would bring in after Georges Azouge, because that was absolutely a uh, Luis Philippe Vieta signing to try and get some, you know, some of the nostalgia back from the supporters who were starting to, you know, not fall for his shit anymore um so so i am curious to see what rui Costa has up his sleeve we were all also sort of a guy i forgot about we were hoping for marcelo gallardo of uh, river plate we okay. we're hoping that he would come up over to benfica but he just committed to river plate again so we'll see man it's it's exciting in a sense because this is this is rui Costa's project now and um yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what he can do, because like you said, he's a very well-respected figure in the football world in general, and especially at Benfica, he's a club legend, so I, uh, I hope that that legendary status can lead to some, some good decisions and uh, he doesn't fall short.
0: What areas of the squad are you hoping to see Benfica strengthen? What areas do you feel could be improved? Because kind of like you said, it is a solid squad. You take a look at some of the mix of youth players, as well as, you know, you take a look at the experience in the back line with players like Otamendi and Vertonghen. Um, how old is, is it Darwin Nunez? Mm-hmm. How old is he?
2: He's uh, like 22, I believe, 22, 23, something okay. like that. I like him a lot. He's, yeah.
0: I really like him. He seems like a very promising player.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's, um, he's one of those players where when he's on, he sometimes feels like he's unplayable. Uh, like he can score at will. He can use his pace to burn around people. He can get in behind. He has decent control most of the time. He can link up with his other attackers. All good stuff. But then there's other times where he's constantly offside, where he'll go up for a header and he'll miss the ball completely and it will go out for a throw-in. And that kind of stuff does leak into his game too often. Just like, just basically like he's sleeping on the pitch kind of thing. You know, like he's just not fully there. Um, but that is if we were to hang on to him, that's not a position that I think that we need to focus on necessarily because between him and Yeramchuk, I think we're good, Sefedevich, whatever. Uh, hopefully he'll be gone eventually. I mean, it's just it's, it's his cycle is coming to an end at Benfica, it's just a natural ending of things. But I think the positions we need to focus on the most are absolutely the fullback positions because yes, Gilberto scored yesterday, um, kind of a lucky goal, good finish though. Great finish into the top corner but fortunate how it came about. Um, but right back has been an issue for us for what feels like a decade at this point. Like it's been a long time that, well, since Nelson Semedo left to Barcelona, basically. Mm-hmm. So that was quite a while ago, not a decade. That's for sure. I was being <laughs> Um, but yeah, the fullbacks, even Grimaldo is hit or miss at this point for a guy who is, you know, so heavily hyped for so long. I think we need solid fullbacks um, and definitely some, uh, some, more depth in the centre-back position as well, because I love Vertonghen, but he's getting older. um, And as injuries come to a guy like Lucas Verissimo, who's out because of his ACL, um, then we have to start looking to some of our youth players who I think are ready, like a Murato, for example, but uh, I think that center back is a position we should look to. And then PZ is probably going to be leaving as well. So maybe another central midfielder, someone who can play with Weigel and Zhuang Mario would be great. So I think that that's another one that would be uh, an area to look at. So mostly central midfield, uh, center back and the full backs, I'd say.
0: Yeah. And I think, like you said, you got a good base to build off of right now. It's not like it needs an overhaul or anything like that. Like you talked about some of the youth players and some of the experienced players, I mean, it is a very solid squad. I mean, you know, Barcelona, despite the fact that they're uh, you know bleeding right now on a wounded animal, they still have a lot of quality in their squad. When you take a look at, you know, you beating them, I mean, hammering them 3-0 at home, should have beat them in Barcelona as well. I mean, that's a testament to the strength of the squad. So it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what happens over the next several
2: seasons. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping that we get to see a little bit more of our youth come into play because just another example of what we do, basically, Take a guy like Jota, who's on loan at Celtic right now. Good young youth player, did incredibly well at the youth levels for both Portugal and Benfica in you know in the youth Champions League, etc. But he just never gets a look in at Benfica. Hasn't for the last few managers. Finally goes on loan out to Celtic, gets given opportunities, and he's thriving. And he's looking like this guy who they were saying is you know the next insert name here, João Felix, Ronaldo, whatever you want to say. I guess not João Felix because he's sort of tapered down a little bit lately, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, this things like this, I wish that we would just, we would get to see the benefits of these youth players as opposed to shipping them off to a Getafe or a Celtic or something like that. And then they start to pick up value and we end up losing them for like the $5 permanent or 5 million euro permanent fee at the end of it and just mismanage our talent, basically.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good. Like I said, I mean, obviously seems like, you know, obviously hopefully the head coach situation gets sorted out, but definitely seems like what should be a bright, uh, a bright, uh, a bright future for Benfica and obviously best of luck in the, uh, in the champions league, uh, knockout stages. Um, like I said, obviously Dima and I have no skin in the game just from having you on the podcast, obviously I will say we do, we will be rooting for you. Maybe not so much for Benfica, but since you are a Benfica supporter, we, uh, we do send our best for Benfica in the knockout of stages.
2: Hey, I appreciate that. Hopefully we don't let you guys down.
0: Um, but uh, so I do have one question for, for you actually, from one of our listeners. Um, let me pull it up here real quick. I believe it's a question about what Dynamo player impressed you the most. And I would, I would re- probably rephrase that to who disappointed you the least, which, <laughs> which, which might be kind of tough. But, um, but let me, let me just go and make sure that I get the specific question here. Um, okay, here we go. So which Denamo players impressed you the most? And do you think any of those players could move to a top
2: European league in play? Um, and this is probably a really boring answer, but for me, it was Chaparenko. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that's probably the expected answer, or at least I would assume I that right would be... Answer, the only answer, to be honest. It's the only answer. It is the correct answer, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was he was the... I feel harsh saying this, but he was... Say it. I mean, he was the only one that really had that sort of class about him that you could yeah, see, we agree. you know, just we agree. just his quality on the ball, the way he controls it, the way he tries to get his teammates involved, the way he can go around players um his passing ability like he was the only one that i looked at and thought okay i could see this guy going to you know a top league club or like something like that like you guys were saying you have this relationship with monaco or you're building one maybe he'll go to monaco i don't know i could see him there um but yeah he he definitely was the one that stood out um and i mean like your guys's reaction to that answer is sort of yeah, i guess it's uh it's the truth it's the yeah. truth yeah, I mean, who else is another one that you guys could potentially see as sort of making that step up? I'd be interested in hearing. No one.
0: Um, <laughs> okay, okay, let's pump the brakes for a minute. So, Shaparenko, I would say yes. I would say he he could definitely start featuring in a top league. I don't. I mean, he's not going to like you know Real Madrid, PSG, yeah, you know Milan or anything like that. But I definitely think he could go to a top league, maybe play for a mid table or even a little bit above mid table side. Um, and do pretty well there but I mean honestly outside of that right now I do think that Zabotny has a a very promising future he's he's, he's okay Dima he's 19 years old last year was his first, first season La- last season was his first season in the senior team he was a backup to I'll a backup right to him. a backup right here, yeah. that got thrust into the first team and I mean, no one saw this coming last season with the season that he had, again, has a long way to go. You know, he's been linked to several clubs and, you know, a lot of Ukrainian fans, you know, wanted him to move abroad to Chelsea, for example. And I'm like, imagine this 19 year old that's not even physically matured yet, that struggles enough against teams like Club Brug and, you know, who I'm trying to remember who else were playing in the Europa League um, in the, in the, in the Premier League. I mean, the physical of that league would absolutely demolish him. I'm not saying he can't get there eventually, but right now, no. no. But I do think that he is one over the next several seasons. If he continues on the tra- trajectory that he's on right now, I do think he can. Um, another one that I think I don't know if he's quite ready for it now, but Popov is another very talented. Unfortunately, he's out right now with an injury. He's been out for a while, but yeah, he's kind of uh, but he's another one that I think not to the same level as Shaparenko, but, I mean, if we're being honest, kind of like you said, that was really the only one quality-wise that stood out. That's, I mean, not to say we don't have other players that aren't capable of that quality, a player like Sahan Well, like going to
1: go for 25 million, you know, of course, you <laughs> We're going, to be, we're going
0: to be paying people to take him off our oh, hands, boy. but they just, they just don't show it. They just, like I said, I, you know, people argue about stagnation and things like that with not being able to move abroad from the Ukrainian league. But you know, our thing is we want to keep our best players, right? But if a player wants to move abroad and we get a, a good offer for them, they're going to go somewhere better. They're going to play regularly. I'm all for that. Right. Yeah. But to me, being in the Ukrainian league and staying in the Ukrainian league is not an excuse for stagnation, yeah. Because if you take a look at a player like Yarmolenko, who didn't move abroad until he was 27, right, which by no means is old, but he never stagnated. I mean, sure, he would have a bad match every now and then, but you never saw this from him that you see from some of these other players that it's like they've regressed. But like to me, and I, like I said, Adrian, I'll see if you agree or not, but like that's not an excuse for regression. You should still be putting forth your best and you should still be good in the league. Now, I understand if it's not taking you to that next step in your career that another league would, but that's kind of a sentiment of, of, among a lot of Ukrainian fans as well. It's because they haven't moved abroad that they're regressing. And I just, I don't really buy that.
2: No, I think it seems like they're just getting too comfortable, basically. Like I, if you're just playing the same games every time like, and against the same sort of opposition, Um, especially if you're at a club like Dinamo or one of the top clubs, it sort of feels like, well, I mean, we're still at the top or at least close to that. Um, so yeah, I can see how stagnation, as you said, would start to creep in, but it's, it's, it's interesting because like I said, Shaparenko was the only one who via the eye test, you see it right away. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. this guy is clearly very, very talented and has that ability to move on to, you know, another league another country. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that Benfica almost has the opposite problem where we're just like sending all our players away immediately. It feels like, um, so it's interesting to hear that really.
0: I mean, you are, like you said, you're, you're sending all these players away, but you still have these big influx of players that are coming in. You're still, yeah. you know, players that you're bringing in, you're still managing to keep the club successful. Like I said, obviously, you know, you're only four points behind in the title race at this point, which is absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. go into the knockout stages of the ucl and then you've got Dinamo who i like you said i mean we've got the opposite problem um which is wonderful but um <laughs> but uh but yeah um well like i said i think that pretty much is going to wrap it up on my end dima do you have anything closing to to add um well adrian as always, it is a huge pleasure having you on here. I'm glad we were able to make the postmortem happen. Um, I'd like to give you a couple minutes just to share your uh, where people can reach out to you. I know you're very active on YouTube with your YouTube channel. I know you just started, a, I believe it was a new podcast um, as well. So a couple
2: minutes, if you'd like to talk about a few things, the floor is yours. I'll do it in less than a couple minutes. So basically, yeah, just Rabona TV on YouTube This is where you can find me Rabona underscore TV on Twitter. And then, yeah, if, if you want to, if you're looking for another podcast on top of Dynamo abroad, <laughs> then you can check out mine, which is called unsackable podcast or unsackable a soccer podcast. I can't remember at this moment, just search unsackable. It should come up. Um, and we, uh, yeah, if you, especially if you like a little bit of European, a little bit of North American, we talk Canadian football, American football, and, sorry, soccer, my bad, and uh, European football as well. So it's a good mix of everything, four different voices there. Um, yeah, guys, thank you so much for having me on. Once again, it's always a pleasure. I always have fun making an appearance on here. So thank you for inviting me back. My pleasure.
0: I, I'm hoping that DiMamo and Benfica, maybe we could do something for, like, if they face each other again in the youth league, or if maybe next season, if they play in the Champions League, hopefully fortunes will be different. But based on the current trajectory, that will not be the case. Um, but, um, yeah, like I said, obviously best of luck to you and the Benfica and the knockout stages, always a pleasure, um, you know, to our listeners, please give him a follow and give his YouTube channel, um, check it out, give him a follow on there as well. Fantastic stuff. And I think actually you're the unsackable. Do you do that with Manu Vait?
2: I do. Yes, Who I do. Was, he did football grad. Yes, exactly. And the, exactly.
0: And he was with the, um, the German podcast too, the gegenpress Press exactly yeah who's another fantastic voice so definitely i started listening to one the i forget the most recent one but i haven't listened to it all the way through but please give unsackable a follow i will be listening and contributing when i can in comments and things like that but excellent thanks adrian as always and demo where can people find you on twitter should they want to interact with you not sure why they would
1: but if they do want to many reasons for that uh it's at 1927 demo as always and then you can follow me um at libovich
0: and then i'll give alex a shout out as well you can follow him on twitter at lishik and that's what is that l y z s z (laughs) l y s z y k yeah. At yeah. At Lishik. you know what? If you just go to the Denamo Abroad podcast, you'll see him listed in the bio. Yeah. We I'm not it. gonna try. Yeah, that'll <laughs> be good enough. Um, so, from all of us at the Denamo Abroad podcast, again, huge thanks to Adrian. Um, hope everyone has a great rest of their evening, and we will talk to you soon.